Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Toy Green. Quite a day today uh, on the AAC Media Days. A lot of news made out of it. And uh, mainly from Commissioner Mike Oresco. Hey, everybody. It is uh, the P-Man here with you. 501 on the Patrick Johnson Show Thursday. Uh, ben B-Baby Byram uh, in the hizzle today as well. Hey, Ben. It's official. Indeed it is. It's official. It is official. Uh, we can uh, tell you if you want to uh, check out our social media. One thing we've got going on, uh, we've posted some clips from uh, the ECU uh, part of uh, AAC Media Day today. It was held virtually. And we got a couple of Mike Oresco's uh, cuts. We're going to hear from Coach Houston, Holton Naylor's, and uh, also uh, uh, Miles Berry in just a little bit, actually, and some comments from Commissioner Oresco later in the show. Uh, I think we could do a whole show on the Oresco thing, but uh, I know people want to hear from uh, the pirates that were involved today, and, and that's you know certainly uh, cool. Uh, ben, uh, before we get going, let me mention this. Um, we also have some uh, kind of social media clips, special clips. We started this a little while back, but uh, if you check our social media most days when we have an in-studio guest, you're going to get special clips from um, the likes of the aforementioned uh, Daryl Hawk Harrison who we had yesterday. Uh, award-winning retired ACC official, semi-retired ACC official. He's no longer on the field. Uh, And then we've got uh, some John Gilbert cuts from a while back. So always check that out on our social media. So the uh, media poll was released today from the uh, AAC. And uh, the leagues, it's very interesting. The voters in the league, uh, the media voters for the league voted Houston as the first place team based on the total points. But it was Cincinnati that got more first place votes. Cincinnati finished a point behind Houston. So Houston first, Cincinnati second, based on total points. Though, as we mentioned, the Bearcats got the most overall first place votes uh, with 10. Houston and UCF got seven first place votes each. Uh, the Golden Knights were uh, picked third with 225 total points. And then you have SMU with 187 total points, Memphis with 162 total points, East Carolina sixth in the preseason poll with 157, Tulane 115 is uh, seventh, Tulsa eighth, 93 total points, South Florida 71, ninth Navy 10th with 61 points, and then Temple 28 uh, total uh, votes from the media. Um, or, or points from the media. Ben, what do you... Uh, maybe East Carolina fifth? 
is what I'm thinking there. I yeah, think six I think is a little than low. Memphis or uh, yeah, I'm confident that they'll be better than Memphis for sure. SMU maybe not. UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, we know what they are. So I think it's unfair to say that ECU surpassed them quite yet. But ECU around five makes a little bit more sense to me. Maybe even four. Six yeah, is a little disrespectful. I think. You know, you're not going to play uh, the Mustangs this year, so that that can't be settled on the field. Uh, Mordecai is the real deal. And I, I do think, you know, with a league that has, what, 10 of its starting quarterbacks returning? Yep. That's that's pretty damn strong. And so, I, you know, I, you know, I love Holt Nailers. I think Holton's going to have a big year. He's poised to do that. But, I, but Mordecai, right now on paper, is maybe the more consistent quarterback. Would that be a fair statement? And and I think, based on that, maybe SMU a tick ahead of of East, uh, of, uh, of, SU, of ECU. Yeah. So SMU. But I could see the Pirates finishing in fourth. I could see the Pirates finishing in third. Uh, they've got UCF at home, yeah. so that's a very important game, uh, as we noted with Field Steel a while back. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think sixth is a a tad disrespectful. I will say this. I think that top six, maybe top seven are, you know, I, I could see all seven of those teams getting to a bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tulane, you know, I know they had a down year last year, but you know, um, Michael Pratt's now going into year three. I think technically he was a freshman last year, started as a true freshman his first year, redshirt freshman. So, um, you know, he's got a little bit more experience and they always build that defense really well and have a good pair of running backs. So, yeah, Tulane, I could see them bouncing back pretty quickly now, and easily here. Look, Tulane under Willie Fritz is a tough, hard-nosed football team. Absolutely. I mean, people forget that was a big win for us uh, at that point in the season oh, last yeah. year because everybody huge. thought Tulane was legit until we saw the rest of the season. But nonetheless, that was a huge win for us and changed yeah. the momentum of our season, uh, much like the Marshall win. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two, I think, you know, games that really, uh, in a way – reverse the fortunes or at least put the because um, you know we were talking about it because of where the Tulane game was on the schedule that was the Pirates most important game on the schedule and uh, you reverse your fortunes at at Marshall a season ago and then you win that Tulane game and then it just went on to, to be a different year for East Carolina so uh, we'll, we'll get into some of that again coach Houston's comments coming up the AAC media day uh, was today uh, a couple of interesting things uh, Mike Oresco spoke today and uh i think he said he said a lot <laughs> but well, that's expected from him i mean yeah he, yeah he'll tell you but every I, detail i thought he said a lot of very interesting things today and uh we're gonna hear from this again if if i really if i if i if i were really telling you what i wanted to tell you today we'd do the whole thing on what Oresco said because I think that's – and how that ties into what's going on in college football because, uh, to me, that's just fascinating. And I'm, I'm the reaction to a lot of what Oresco said, it's been mixed. But uh, let's isolate on this. I think this is the big takeaway to start, and we'll revisit all of these comments from Mike Oresco coming up. But uh, this is a little pie in the sky on his part. I mean, I'll be very upfront about that. But the commissioner of the American thinks with the way this landscape is going, first of all, he thinks, as he has all along, that the American should have a seat at that table with the other, you know, as they refer to, P5 conferences. But 
And this is kind of, I think, in a more articulate way, what the commissioner from the MAC was trying to say yesterday or, or whatever day it was he did his radio interview. But Mike Oresco saying, you know, that all 10 of the FBS commissioners need to be in on what the future of the sport is, not just two, not just five. Equal representation to decide the approach to things rather than just a few schools having more power and control over the discussions. And, and I, you know, in reality, that's probably not going to happen. But I do think uh, that he is right. I think all 10 need to have some kind of say uh, or at least some something. And, and, you know, he's talking about kind of separating college football at the FBS level from the NCAA. But let's let's play that quote for you really quick here and how. In his mind, all of the conferences at FBS should be viewed equally. If all 10 FBS conferences are viewed equally in terms of branding, as I believe they should be, then upward mobility, a feature of our American heritage, would be a more realistic possibility. Yes, some FBS conferences will, of course, be more equal than others in terms of revenue, competitiveness, all the things that, that obviously matter. That's perfectly normal and acceptable, but actually having to earn earn a particular status or reputation would be a healthy development see what uh, what he is getting at there is you know if, if we i understand the he's saying i understand you know the money distribution and the interest maybe in certain brand names is going to be what it's going to be that's the way it is but everybody should have a say on this because we're better off if all 10 conferences at least have a common goal that they're going for and I think that's also his way of saying we don't need to make this an automatic at-large thing with the playoffs, that there needs to be some kind of tie-in, possibly to each conference. I don't think that'll ever happen. It'd be nice if the American could maybe separate itself from the other leagues in the so-called G5 part of it. You know, and that may be the fighting chance. But I think what he's getting at there are a couple of things. Uh, 12 or 16 needs to be the playoff format because he mentioned 16 today himself. But also, look at the NFL, by and large, is built on parity. The NFL, in the last 20 or 25 years, when they've gone to a more uh, equal playing field model, in a sense, that has led to greater heights in the National Football League. You know, gone are really the... Ben, when I was kind of your age, a little younger, coming up in the 90s, I mean, you had the dynasties. You had, you know, the Niners. You had the Cowboys. Of course, the Bills made it to four straight Super Bowls without winning. But, I mean, you had teams that would go on those sort of runs. And the NFL's kind of gotten away from that. Now, the Patriots have their own successful model over that time. I get what you're saying. But, yeah, there's years where literally the unexpected happens and a team you never expected to be in the Super Bowl gets there, like the Bengals or the Eagles or the Niners. Or I mean, you've that seen has that not, in the past few years. And what has happened on the field, what has transpired on the field, has not hurt the NFL. What's hurt the NFL is, is some of the off-the-field nonsense yeah. and the political stuff that they drag themselves into. But even that was a glancing blow in the grand scheme of things. It's still the top TV property on the planet. But he he is saying this could be college football, and even though it is the second most popular sporting event on the planet, this could be even greater. And that the fact that that right now is sitting where it is, it could be destroyed in his mind. 
So again, I, I think there's a just a ton of fascinating stuff to dive into with the Resco here, but I know people want to tune in and, and hear what the Pirates uh, had to say. So we'll get to as much of the Oresco stuff today as we can. We're going to get to a lot of the other conference coaches and players uh, tomorrow and maybe even into next week. Our, our staff are working hard on some of that. Uh, they have put together a truly vast soundbite roster today. So we're going to grab a break and come back and uh, hear what Mike Houston and Holt Naylor's and Miles Berry had to say at AAC Media Day. So you stay with us here on The Patrick Johnson Show. Dan Patrick mornings. Adam Gold middays. Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. Ash and most circumstances, exceptions may apply. If you've been injured in an accident and need cash now before your case settles, Oasis Financial can help. Last month, Oasis helped over 3,000 people. Why not you? If you have an attorney, call Oasis Financial today at 877-266-9107. It takes just three minutes to apply. And once you're approved, get $500 to $100,000 of your settlement in as little as 24 hours with no risk to you. That's right. Get $500 to $100,000 within one day. If you lose your case, you don't have to pay Oasis back ever. So call Oasis today to see if you qualify at 877-266-9107. That's 877-266-9107. Better days start today. Get the cash you need with Oasis. Call Oasis today at 877-266-9107. Oasis is currently not providing legal funding in Arkansas, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, North Dakota, or West Virginia. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I want to give an update from uh, ECU baseball signee Parker Bird. You remember he was hurt in that boating accident this past weekend. His mom posted on social media that, uh, you know, yesterday he was unable to have surgery, but he has had surgery now. It was deemed a success. Mitzi Bird posting that five major muscles were cut in Parker's accident and all five have been repaired. Uh, You know, that his uh, sciatic nerve is intact aside from a nick, but that has been repaired to the second surgery. The propeller, as she put on social media, came one millimeter from cutting that nerve in half and that would have happened. Uh, He could have lost his whole leg, according to the surgeon. So uh, thank goodness that did not happen. Doctors believe Parker will be able to walk, run, and live a normal life. Uh, She posts as as far as Parker's baseball future. While the doctor has not guaranteed anything, uh, she says that the docs say that's a possibility. And and that's great. But let let me say this, and and if the dorks get mad, the dorks get mad. The fact that uh, he can have a normal life, it appears, is the most important thing. And if he never steps on the diamond again, as bad as I'm sure that would, would be for him, and as much as fans would love to see him on there, the fact that he is alive, has his all his limbs, and, and can live a normal life, that's the most important thing. The hell with baseball. The hell with that. The fact that he's okay is the most important thing. So that's some great news. Uh, we'll continue to update you as he continues to convalesce, but uh, hearing, that that is, uh, hearing that is a really, really positive uh, thing. 
All right, uh, ECU Media Day, uh, or the American Athletic Conference Media Day. ECU's uh, Media Day is coming up uh, August 20th, and we'll be there live for that. But uh, right now, Coach Houston uh, speaking today to the uh, assembled media via Zoom. Then there was an old-school feel today. And when I say old-school, I mean as of two years ago. I don't hate on the virtual media day. It was it was fun. I I think the AAC built that whole studio just for that at their headquarters. I read so that's I mean, fine. Yeah, it was yeah. great. We had the ESPN feed straight through the Zoom, and there was no issues. It was it was pretty impressive. No, I thought you know I mean there's some hiccups here and there, but I mean I think a lot of that was connecting the. I mean think about this: they were able to connect the Zoom into their feed, and and talk to and take questions. I mean it was you know, like, not from. You were watching ESPN, and you were able, if you had a question, to interact with the ESPN feed on your TV. It was kind of wild. Could be the future. All right. Um, Mike Houston, on what excites him about this 2022 Pirate roster? Well, I just think the, the biggest thing that excites us is, you know, the student-athletes that we have. And, you know, when I took the job in 2019, um, you started uh, with a vision, and you started uh, building the roster. And as we sit here going into year four, um, you know, you have a roster that's been in the program. You have a roster that you've recruited and built. Uh, and, you know, we believe in these young men, uh, and they are very committed to what, uh, you know, what we're trying to do here. And so you just really feel like for the first time you have great stability. Uh, you feel like you have the talent where you need to have the talent. Uh, you have the experience. Uh, and it's always good when you return your quarterback. So, uh, you know, we really, we really like our roster going into the season. And Mike Houston talked about uh, the matchup, or was asked about and, and answered about the uh, season opening matchup against NC State. Well, I think it's a big game right out of the gate. You know, uh, you know, NC State had a great year last year. Uh, Dave's done a great job building that program there. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're talking this is you know this maybe is the best uh, NC State team that they've had. Um, so you know, right out of the gate, you know, you'll you'll go up against a stiff opponent. Uh, but, you know, but we like our team. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, really excited we have here at home. Uh, we expect a full stadium, so 51,000 uh, Pirates here to greet them. Uh, so it's just uh, we're really excited about the matchup. All right. Uh, and, Ben, that's cut 23 that I was asking you about, right? Okay. Uh, we'll, uh, let me know about that. But uh, we got another cut here. We're, well, well, let's just play it, Ben. That's fine. Uh, Coach used to expect to be a good team right out of the gate. Okay, they are talking about the Pirate. I, I just wanted to clarify because the way it's written. Uh, this is uh, Mike Houston saying that, uh, yeah, he expects the Pirates to be pretty darn good too right out of the gate. Well, you know, we talked uh, last uh, last week before we broke, um, you know, for this discretionary week. Uh, we talked as a team. Um, and just, you know, with the experience we have back, and really it's the first time we've had experience like this. Um, you know, I expect us to look like a really good football team day one. Uh, you know, it's there's really no excuses not to. Uh, the guys that are going to be on the field, you know, in the two deep are guys that have played a lot of ball. Uh, they've been in the system. Uh, they've been in our program. Uh, so we expect to be playing at a pretty high level right out of the gate. And I think that should, you know, translate into uh, game day starting September 3rd. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think everybody would, uh, would agree with that. And that's why, again, I, I think that sixth-place finish you look, it tells you two things, or that six-place prediction. I think it tells you a couple things. One, the American is, is a pretty darn stout conference. And I don't think there's any doubt that Houston and Cincinnati and maybe UCF are a tick 
going into the season above everybody. I think ECU is a little closer to UCF. SMU is a little closer to UCF than than maybe the other two. But I mean, look, any any given Saturday, as they say, right? But um, I, I I think this is an undervalued ECU team, according to the media, or this is a uh, a pirate team that. Uh, is going to be right there in the thick of it in what is probably going to be a pretty darn competitive AAC this year. Uh, more from Mike Houston from uh, American Football Media Days as uh, he talked about the Pirate offensive line. Uh, a plucky upstart asked this highly, highly intelligent question about the uh, OL of Mike Houston. Here's his answer. Well, I think first, you know, just talking about our fronts, I think both uh, offensively and defensively, uh, we feel very good about our offensive front and our defensive front. Uh, I think we have good size, good athleticism, uh, very good depth. Uh, you know, talking about the offensive line, uh, you know, you talk about wanting to have a starting five. I don't, I don't think we have a starting five. I think we've got, you know, a two deep right there where I can't tell you how it's going to shake out during preseason camp exactly who's going to be in there. Uh, to me, that's a good thing this year uh, because I think we do have. Uh, more than just five guys that can go out there, you know, September 3rd. When you talk about the depth of this roster, that's to me the biggest uh, area where it resonates is up front. And there's versatility along that offensive line. So if Mike Houston is as excited about that group uh, as he uh, is there, I I think that could be a really uh, big thing for the Pirates. And it's interesting too, uh, Ben, yeah. You know, when we when we talked to um remember talking to Shank all the I mean and, and you know, ECU got pretty talented at a lot of positions pretty quickly. Uh they upgraded at a lot of positions pretty the running back room, you know. Corner. Yeah, there's all kinds of places line, yeah. that very quickly ECU after especially after Coach's first year to get into recruiting, they started to stack talent. But Steve Shankweiler all along said it's going to take a little bit for this offensive line to get where we need it to be. And I think you're seeing that now come to fruition. I mean, it took into year four because, look, and this is not an indictment on anybody. It's just there's no quick fixes up front on offense. Yeah, and um, just a a point I have here about the offensive line. When's the last time you can think of ECU bringing in a D1 transfer from a bigger conference on the offensive line who's had significant playing yeah. time and experience coming to ECU as a transfer. I mean, it's been yeah. a while since we've been able to do that or ever done yeah. that. With uh, yeah. Parker Moore, I believe, from West Virginia, going to be the yep. tackle. Yep. I mean, that's pretty big. Yep. So, uh, Coach then talked about the receivers that were brought in in the portal. That was an area where ECU had uh, some losses they needed to, re- to recover from. And again, a really highly influential member of the media, Ben, asked this just, I, I think, brilliant question. And thus, you get this great answer from Coach Houston. The receiving core, uh, you know, with, you know, Tyler declaring last year, uh, Audie graduating, uh, and, you know, just some of, the, some of the things there in that room, we felt like we needed to address that with some experience pretty quick. Uh, we do have some young guys that... Uh, played some last year that'll you know be in the rotation again this year but we felt like we needed some older additions uh so you know we're excited about those guys that we brought in i think isaiah winstead has been uh you know a guy that's had a lot of success uh at the fbs level uh, he's done a great job this summer of coming in and uh you know establishing himself work ethic wise establishing himself from experience and leadership wise as a guy that can be trusted uh excited about jalen johnson 
uh, you know, transfer from Georgia, played in the national championship game, uh, you know, was a good player at Georgia, excited to have him here with us. Um, and so I think that you, when you start looking at those guys, uh, in addition to what else we have coming back, uh, we feel good about our receiving core. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Mike Houston, and this is what you want. Uh, he says it'll be tough for freshmen to start. Maybe not get playing time, but it's going to be certainly tough for freshmen to be starters uh, with the way this roster is currently constructed. Well, I think, you know, especially this year, um, with the experience we have coming back, you know, it's going to be hard for a freshman to, to get on the field. Um, you know, when we, when we looked at, look at, our, look at our team in 2020, you know, you started a ton of freshmen. Uh, you know, those guys are still here. Uh, and so you have third-year guys that have a lot of experience uh, to where I think, you know, in order for a freshman to get on the field and play this year, um, he'll have to be a pretty special player. Uh, I think we've got a couple that may, uh, but certainly we don't feel the need to have to push anybody out there, you know, this year. All right. Uh, that is uh, Mike Houston talking about uh, really the experience of this team. Uh, let's... Uh, Get to 28 here, Ben. We'll finish on the realignment cup, but let's skip ahead to uh, number 28 on the vast soundbite roster. Coach talks about how Holton Ehlers has grown in his time in Greenville. Well, I think, you know, just the experience that he has, um, the maturity that he's developed uh, has been so important. You know, when, when I got here, you know, you had a guy that had some ability, had had some success his freshman year. Uh, but he had to learn how to be, you know, a great game manager, a great leader, a great teammate. Uh, you know, had to learn how to, you know, not try to do it all himself, to trust his teammates. Uh, and I really feel like, you know, the second half of last year, Holton played at a very high level. Uh, he's had a great offseason. Uh, so coming into this year, I think he brings experience. He brings, I think he is, his body is in the best shape it's been in. Uh, he's really worked hard on his mechanics. Uh, I think he has a lot of confidence in the pieces around him. So I think that uh, now you have a guy that uh, you know is a great leader of a of a unit, as opposed to just you know trying to be a guy to go out there and kind of do it all himself. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, this is uh, Coach Houston. We got one we're going to save here for the very end with Coach Houston. But this is Mike Houston. Uh, I mean, he was asked. I think it's the the right thing to ask in all of this, uh, but that is realignment uh, within college football. Mike Houston's uh, thoughts on that because it's the final year that those three picked at the top are going to be part of the AAC in football. Everybody is um, curious to see how the next couple of years are going to go. Uh, you know, college football is changing. It's changing pretty quick. I think with you know what the SEC and the Big Ten are doing, uh, it's going to have a trickle down effect on all the other conferences. Um, you know, the American Conference has been a highly competitive conference, uh, you know, ever since its uh, start. And uh, we're excited to be a part of it. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston uh, have been great programs in this conference. Uh, you know, them departing, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go on and try to, you know, do the same thing in, in the Big 12. Uh, but we'll have six schools coming in, so the conference is going to change. Um, at the end of the day, you know, our focus is going to be purely on East Carolina, um, I think we have a chance, just like I thought when I came here uh, in 2019, we have a chance to establish ourselves as one of the top programs in the country. Uh, I think we've got a great fan base. Uh, we've got a great school to recruit to. Uh, the administration here, uh, both on campus and within the athletic department, is committed 
to football. Uh, so, you know, we're excited about the future of pirate football. Good answer there uh, by Mike Houston on that. And it's a question I'm sure he'll field uh, even more uh, leading up uh, or really over the next couple of weeks as he gets a, a chance to do those media avails. Uh, all right. So this is the, the answer ultimately becomes here kind of talking about the importance of depth in the trenches, which is something that coaches kind of alluded to here. The, the origin of this answer uh, the question that this originated from Ben, what was it about? It was about like it was a backwards, all over the place question. <laughs> but uh, it was like, hey, you got a lot of big guys on the offensive line, defensive line. You scheduled a lot in the South. Uh, how's the heat holding up? How are they going to hold up in the heat? How's that going? Is it a heat thing? It's like, what kind of question is that? And what was worse was Rini and uh, the that girl Chris or the 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 women that was on the uh, the, the panel. Chris yeah. there were like, yeah, that heat. Yeah. You know it's tough, Rainy, down there in Orlando. Like they had to play off it. It was a mess. It was a weird question. Uh, here's the answer. It's, it's been great. Um, I mean, I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Been great. The uh, twenty-nine, Ben, twenty-nine. Well, you know, I think that's, uh, that's important no matter where you geographically play your games. But you know, the reality is, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of heat the first half of the season, uh, especially the first four at home here in Greenville. Um, you know, temperature, you know, September 3rd, 12 o'clock kickoff, you're probably going to be in the in the mid-90s with pretty high humidity. So having depth on the fronts, uh, having guys that you can rotate in and out with little drop-off or no drop-off, uh, I think will only help us. Um, you know, we worked very, very hard to develop uh, that defensive line room because it was virtually non-existent when I got here. Uh, but we're excited about the kids in that room, and they've worked very, very hard. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. Yeah, uh, look, and the the answer is the reality. I mean, that's a noon start on Labor Day. It's going to be tough. And in reality, I mean, you're going to schedule – you're going to try to schedule your non-conference game regionally anyways. I know we got that BYU game, but that was scheduled, yeah, what, yeah. six, seven years ago? That was on their conference. Well, so. you, you know, the, the to me, and this is a whole other matter that we could do on another show, um, and we probably should have already done, but – when you're talking about scheduling in your East Carolina, I think that that regional model, you know, save the Boise and the BYU matchups, which I do think are important if you could continue that on some level. They've I think become that's a, a thing. thing. They've become a thing with, yeah. with ECU, yeah. so I'm not against those. Now, obviously, so obviously Boise going to the league, to the Big 12, might change some of that. But I think – or BYU going to the, to the Big 12 will change some of that. But I, I think – you know those that that's that makes sense because you're kind of on that plane with them technically, but otherwise I think the like you know Campbell ODU those games make total sense to me. I think those are the now next year you go to Michigan for for what is essentially a payday game and I have no problem with that. I, I think I don't know if you want to Mike Houston probably doesn't like I don't know if you want to mix that in every year, but I think every couple years a a game to help the health of your department financially or your program financially is is certainly doable i do like the fact with this byu game i believe the bye week is either before or after that so i mean that does help a bit but still it's like i would prefer not to be playing those games that far out in the west unless like you said it is byu or boise and who knows if they keep that going i would prefer to be regionally just because it's more fan interest it's a little bit easier on the team right a little bit easier financial wise travel wise and 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 keep in mind that's that was scheduled as BYU as a as an independent, yeah, so you kind of yeah. had to work it in. Yeah, and that was six seven I think years ago. I mean, that was long ago. Yeah, 
And I think it's going to be a good trip. I really do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben's got an update. 94.3 The Game Sports Flash uh, update for you here. And uh, we'll come back. We'll hear from some of the players and uh, try to get as much Mike Oresco cuts today as possible on uh, this version of the PJ Show where we break down uh, some of the comments from American Athletic Conference Football Media Days, which were uh, held today. All right. Uh, a break. Uh, but first, Ben Byram with an update. Thanks, Patrick. Let's start with a look at what's happening around Pirate Nation as the American held their annual football media days. Head coach Mike Houston, linebacker Miles Barry, and quarterback Mike he- or excuse me, quarterback Holton Aylips all made appearances. Our very own Patrick Johnson asked on the broadcast to Holton about enjoying his last season in a Pirate uniform and the pressure that comes with being the hometown kid. Yeah, I mean, I knew when I committed here when I was 17 years old that there was going to be a lot of pressure here, but, um, you know, I wanted it to be on me and no one else. Um, you know, Coach Houston came in and has developed a great culture here, a great team culture to um, to really counter that, um, and it's been it's been really good. Holt Naylor's was honored earlier today after being added to the Werfel Trophy watch list for the third consecutive year, awarded given to players who serve the community and, quote, have a positive impact on society. The American also released their preseason poll rankings for the conference in football, and ECU was ranked sixth on the list. Surprisingly, Houston edged Cincinnati by a point to win the conference. Former ECU offensive lineman Garrett McGinn was signed from the USFL's New Jersey Generals to the Giants. Pitt County Post 39 American Legion Baseball loses out in the state tournament earlier today to Wilmington by a score of 2-1. The Carolina Panthers completed another day of training camp. Reports out of practice indicate that head coach Matt Rule is splitting first-team reps between quarterbacks Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and is not favoring one or the other as the starter so far. And the Carolina Hurricanes stay busy in the offseason re-signing defenseman Ethan Baer to a one-year $2.2 million contract extension. That's going to do it for your 94th the game sports update. More from Media Day. We'll hear from Holton Aylers and Miles Barry on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 thegame.com Pirate football lives on game days right here. Here we go! On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Ben, you remember this song. You've heard it, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's heard this song. Yeah. I didn't realize it was them that made this song. Yeah. I thought it was some kind of boy band or something from the early no, 2000s, no, late no. 90s. No, no, no. It's good jam. All Not right. Um, no. Okay, we've got um, coverage of the uh, American Athletic Conference Media Days. Uh, Holt Nailers and Miles Berry represented the players for the Pirates. Uh, Holt Nailers on how the experience uh, over the summer has helped him. Yeah, it helps a ton. I mean, we're returning most of our guys, too. So, uh, I mean, kind of like you said, we're returning two of the top running backs in our conference, really, in the country. I mean, I'd take those guys over anyone. So, uh, um, just it, I mean, that's the, the running game is quarterback's best friend. It just help, only helped me out, only helped the offense out and the team out. So, um, I mean, anytime you can just hand the ball off and let those guys go to work, we're, we're going to. I mean, they're the workhorse of our offense. Um, so, just excited to see those guys work and compete this year and, uh, you know, open things up for the passing game. All right, uh, more from Holt Naylor's on getting to know his new wide receiving core. 
Yeah, it's always important um, to have to have chemistry with your receivers. I um, mean, you know, obviously, we got some new guys coming in that are going to play big roles for us. And you know, that's what the all season's for, though. Um, they've played a lot of snaps too in college football, just because they haven't here um, doesn't mean they haven't played a lot of snaps in general. So um, they're pretty experienced too. Just just getting a feel for them, you know, what they like, where they like the ball to be on certain routes, you know, how they how they like to look, just the little things um, through the offense, through the routes that we can connect on, just timing thing. But a lot of that comes from camp too. I mean, we go for a straight month um, practicing pretty much every single day um, against you know full competition with our defense, one versus one. So. Um, a lot of that will come then. I mean, during the offseason, you just try to work on timing, um, anticipation. Just, just try to kind of, like I said, just get a feel for where they like the ball, you know, where they, they like the back shoulder, do they like to catch it on the run, and just little things like that. All right, Holt Naylor's uh, there. More from uh, the uh, fifth-year starter for the Pirates as he talks about how he feels like uh, the experience that this team has will help the Pirates as they host NC State in the opener. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I mean, I think any time you return the guys that we're returning and the experience that we're returning, um, I mean, this all season runs smoothly. Um, spring runs smoothly. And, you know, just getting ready for camp, knowing what to expect for the season, you know, getting your body and your mind right um, is, is really important. Just having guys that have been in that position before is huge for us. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure most of our guys returning um, have started a good chunk of games. So it's, it's really exciting for us. It's been really smooth so far. All right, so that one was about the uh, experience over the summer, get ready for uh, camp. Uh, the one that we identified as that was uh, the one to help against NC State. So uh, a little bit of a mix-up there, but you sort of get the uh, the gist of it. Final Holt Naylor's cut, uh, and uh, this was the question uh, I asked him today uh, about uh, just the pressures of being uh, the hometown kid, if you will, the Lifting Conley grad. Uh, that too. Dad's the announcer. Uh, you're now being funny, Ben. Come on. What? This was and... on the broadcast. They did a whole package on this. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, they loved it. But also, yeah, they did. But also, um, you know, just uh, trying to, to enjoy and savor his final time, uh, his final go-around, if you will, at a pirate uniform. Yeah. I mean, I knew when I committed here when I was 17 years old that there was going to be a lot of pressure here. But, um, you know, I wanted it to be on me and no one else. Um, you know, Coach Houston came in and has developed a great culture here, a great team culture to um, to really counter that. Um, and it's been it's been really good to be a part of it. Um, and and you know, I think this year, I mean, he said it too, and our players have too, it's the best team overall that we've had. Um, we've been in the games. We've been close there. And, um, I mean, I think that this year um, we just go out there and, and play the way that, that we know we can play and the rest will take care of itself. But um, for it being my last year, you know, I am, I mean, I am going to enjoy it as much as I can. And, uh I mean, just really appreciate, you know, every, there's going to be a lot of last for me this year. As, as for Miles, really, this is last year, too. So um, just enjoying it. It's taking it one game at a time, one practice at a time. I mean, it starts with camp and just getting the team as, as close as we can be to being ready um, for that first game and then going out there and playing good uh, the whole season. Uh, Holt Naylor's uh, there. Now Miles Berry, the linebacker, talking about this roster has one mission. This team has one mission in 2022 the amount of experience that we do have. Uh, everybody is on one mission. We have one goal, and we all know what we need to do to achieve that goal. So we're all just, you know, tunnel vision, and we have a mission this year. And with the experience that we have, uh, that leadership will be able to carry us to that. Uh, and then this is uh, Miles Berry when talked about uh, going against the Pirate 
offense every day, especially in training camp, uh, how that will uh, uh, impact and affect and uh, improve the Pirate defense, which is pretty darn good. Oh, it's, it's, it's very tough, you know, going against Holton. Uh, I've been going against Holton for years now, so uh, sometimes we're kind of cheating off each other because he knows some of my tendencies, I know some of his. Uh, same with Keaton and Rajay. Uh, Keaton is a shiftier back, so me as a linebacker, I have to be at a certain level of discipline and I have to really focus on my technique when tackling him. Rajay is a physical shifty downhill runner also, so I make sure I have to, you know, bring my stuff when I'm tackling him. Uh, but it's iron sharpening iron. And, and with that, with that competition every day, that's going to lead us into having a great season uh, this year because we're, we have to work every day and we're constantly making each other better. And then uh, Miles Berry talked about not paying attention to some of the hype surrounding uh, the expectations going into the year. Well, we're, we're not really paying attention to the hype because the hype, it can be negative if you pay attention to it too much. So, like you said, camp starts next week, and that's our primary focus is having a great camp. And then once we get through camp, then our, all our attention will be on NC State. All right. Uh, and then final thing for Miles Barry. Ben, what is his uh, Twitter handle? It's just, it's it's awesome. ESPN's finest is, is what it is. That ESPN's Yep. It's that That's way on great. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. ESPN's finest. Yeah. And he was on ESPN today, so it worked out. Yeah. That's great. All right. So this is uh, Miles Barry on Blake Harrell. Uh, you know, coming back for a third year, and this has uh, provided some continuity leading to versatility for the Pirate defense. Yeah, so with, with Coach Harrell coming back, this is the third year in the defense now. And with that, the guys on all the guys on the defense have just a certain level of confidence that we really never had before. Um, and now it's not just knowing your position and knowing the roles and responsibilities of your position, but now we're learning everybody's position. So we're all working on the same, uh, same platform. We're all working as like a fine-tuned machine. And I feel like that will definitely carry over into this season. You saw it uh, the second half of last season. Defense was rolling strong. And we're going we're gonna to carry that, that momentum into this year, to camp. All right, we'll grab a break, and we'll come back and get uh, maybe a, an Oresco cut or two uh, and wrap up today's show after this. Videos, articles, and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.now. The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. You know, uh, probably the most noteworthy thing uh, is from Mike Oresco today is, I mean, this is a sitting commissioner advocating for football splitting from the NCAA. And I think it acts under the assumption that the AAC would be invited if there is a split. But let me tell you this. If there is a split, there's going to, these teams have somebody, they're going to have to have somebody to play. The thing about this whole you know, 16 now, closing in on 20-team conferences. Somebody's going to have to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not everybody's going to win 10 or 12 games a year. Uh, so somebody's got – and you got to – you can't have every game. They may go to 10 conference games. But the, and we've talked about this a gazillion times. The dirty secret, uh, particularly the SEC, is – they're able to to get eight, 
whatever it is, home games. Yeah, eight at least. What is it? Eight home games a year. Yeah. And and the FCS is willing to take the the money to go get slaughtered because that gives an extra home date. I mean, the ticket sales are still a huge part of this whole model too, uh, it, it, at all levels. But but especially at the American, but even at the SEC, the ticket sales that's a huge part of the models. All right. Um, Ben, we got a Twitter poll up. We sure do. We asked ECU finish at six in the voting in the AAC preseason football poll. Do you believe they'll finish higher or lower than six in the conference standings this year? And then we have the options higher or lower. It's at fifty percent either way right now, and that goes until tomorrow and to uh, today or tomorrow's show. So you have plenty of time to vote. Okay, plenty of time to vote uh, on Twitter at nine four three the game. All right, um, Mike Oresco, let's go to thirteen. This is the best. This is one of the better things I think he said that we have time for for sure. And that is uh, Commissioner Oresco talking about student-athlete well-being in this new era he fears is being left behind. Realignment has shifted our conversation dramatically. You don't hear as much about student-athlete well-being, loyalty to school, or goals that do not include conferences seeking the last dollar. The student-athlete may well be getting lost in this. The educational enterprise, while never in perfect alignment with big-time college sports competition and commercial values, had and has value. We should not be cavalier about its loss. The conversations at Media Days this year, I've noticed, have shifted almost entirely to marketing, branding, and further realignment. Student-athlete well-being is rarely mentioned. The quality and strength of conferences is now tied almost entirely to their marquee schools and their brands and to the last dollar they are earning. That now seems the only way that we evaluate them. Maybe it always was the only way we evaluated them. Nevertheless, the health of our enterprise lies in a diversity of competition. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's, that was a great cut uh, and a great quote. The student-athlete well-being is never mentioned in any of this. And I think even our friends at the, the, in the national media that kind of scoff at the Americans' efforts to, to get a seat at the table, Triangle Sports Media that kind of scoff at ECU and uh, the Americans' efforts to get it. I mean, even they, they they will agree that this expansion is not consistent. Now, they want that well-being to be paying the athlete, paying the football players to play. And, I mean, there's some, there's some validity to that line of thinking. But, uh, you know, th- this is... To, to just say overall and scoff when someone says, you know, this still is, is a student-athlete experience on some level, uh, granted, it's not like it was, but, I mean, at, at its core, that's still a belief for a lot of people that are still in charge. Not in the Big Ten and, and perhaps not in the SEC, but, I mean, Jim Phillips even said that this week. Do, uh, ben, we have time to get 14 in here. Uh, I think this is an important one here, uh, Commissioner Oresco and what the American can do uh, about realignment. In other words, where do they kind of fit in this mix? Our conference, for example, has focused on our performance on the field. And any marketing we've done over the years, the P6 campaign, for example, was based on our achievements. It would all have been fluff without the on-field success. We made our reputation by virtue of our performance. What can we do in the face of the recent conference upheavals and consolidation? Well, we can fight for a healthier, more equitable system on the various fronts that are still in play, that are still available to us. Among them, the college football playoff 
NCA governance and important protocols that still remain such as scholarship limits, which helps obviously uh, level the playing field. Interesting uh, stuff there. I, I mean, again, the American, by and large, has got it done on the field, cracking the uh, playoff last year. And then, you know, I, I also think, um, you know, they have, uh, I mean, it's going to be a very competitive and very good and deep league this year. I, I, I'd be shocked if somebody ran through this thing undefeated. But um, anyway, it just... It's very interesting, and, and again, we kind of sit at an interesting perspective in the AAC at ECU from the ACC and, and those that are maybe in the Sun Belt or CUSA. Uh, wild times. Uh, we'll have more of the commissioner's comments tomorrow and other comments from Media Day uh, from some of the other schools. Thanks to uh, our crew working hard to put it together, the ref Philip Pilkington, also uh, C-squared Chris Cook, and, uh, of course, Ben Byram. Catch you tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's have a great uh, evening, and we'll see you tomorrow at 5, live right here. Surgery, right?